verse 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. Um, hmm, okay. There it is. There it is. Okay. Awesome. Very good. All right. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 here in just a minute. And I want to show you some pictures. Um, they be pulled up here momentarily. Because uh, I, I spent the last week at Yellowstone Bible Camp uh, helping run the teen session there. And that, it, man, we had a fantastic week. We had... Um, a bigger group, a group, greater number of teenagers than we've had there in a long time. And so what's really exciting about that to me is in our world, you see at this point in time, fewer people participating in churches. And what we're seeing is the opposite in, in the church here and in it, it camp, Bible camp. And there's, man, there was a ton of teenagers there and just the spiritual atmosphere was phenomenal. And kids, if you participated in a, in a Bible camp here at Yellowstone Bible Camp here in the last weeks, just raise your hand. You don't need to stand up, but just raise your hand. Yeah, there was a, a even if you showed up for a, a day or something like that, everybody raise their hand, raise your hand high. We had a ton of people there uh, from from the camp or from the church here that helped out, that participated. I'm going to show a few pictures here, but I want you to pray for four people in particular. And if you want to write these down, you can. You want to get them from me afterwards, you can. For Jake for Bell, for Elijah, and for Tristan. Those are the four kids that gave their lives to Christ in baptism this week. And it was exciting and amazing to see that transformation happen in the lives of people. I'm going to run you through a few pictures. This is looking south uh, from the lodge area. That's the, the uh, uh, tower or the bell tower in the background and the campfire uh, ring there in the foreground. Now, all these pictures, I am terrible at taking pictures. I typically don't, um, and I've got my head other places and other people are much more talented with that and so the pictures that i'm going to share were taken by either connor mccarton or by melissa bachmeyer sylvia and i joke that when we get older we're not even going to remember our kids because we never take pictures we just neither one of us do that very much and so thank you for these pictures and i'll share because the church here invests a lot in the bible camp and i want you guys to know some of the things that happen and the fruit that comes from the investment that you guys make. This is uh, one of the the activities that Matt and Melissa Bachmeyer organized as an icebreaker on the first day. It's actually human battleship is what it is. They threw water balloons over this barrier at each other and and uh, it was pretty pretty entertaining. This is around the campfire. Uh, one of the nights and the, the kids uh, preparing to sing, um, sing their way to uh, finish off the evening. Here is uh, one of the baptisms that happened. You, know, you see the excitement and, and happiness that's there. Uh, it's beautiful. This uh, is a young man from Texas that has some connections, family connections, uh, with the Yellowstone Bible Camp. And they flew him up, and I picked up four, four young men from Texas and took them to, um, to Bible Camp. Uh, Sylvia had four girls, and I had four boys that we took, and none of them were our children. Our children were already up there. It's people sending... Uh, sending their kids from other places so they could participate. 
Uh, this is part of our staff from Belgrade that was there. Look at those crazy people. You know, ten of exciting times there. Okay, this is, uh, so Landon Bachmeyer, this is during the banquet. Landon Bachmeyer is sitting there, and that is um, uh, Bryant Beck in that big Tyrannosaurus Rex suit. He showed up with that as a surprise, and it was pretty entertaining watching him bounce around in, in that that costume there. Um, this is uh, just getting in the river on Friday after a very warm week, all the kids there. This is after one of the baptisms. What we did is when those kids, there's three of them baptized all at once, and they came out of the water, and we put them in the middle, and we surrounded them with prayer and spent some time just blessing them and praying for them in their uh, walk uh, with God from this day forward. A beautiful time. This is uh, the last night on Friday where the girls and the guys are singing and serenading each other. Um, Just a beautiful time there. Uh, we, something we do at camp, at uh, teen camp, is we have some scenarios where we, we use real-life situations to teach. And I am acting at this, this particular scenario, and those kids are uh, practicing inviting me to come to church with them. And so I just throw a wrench in, in the system and try to, try to goof with them a little bit. And it's just it's fun. that they, It's a great way to be able to learn because we practice doing it in a safe environment. This is the official teen camp picture, and you can't see this very well, but there's kids making faces and doing some goofy stuff there. Some are laying out front. But we had 67 teenagers, souls, that were there that participated this week, and then about 25 staff in addition to that. And it was amazing, the spirit that was there and all those people and the, uh, the wonderful, amazing spiritual conversations. We talked about some difficult things. And I'll share more of that another time. But there was, um, you know, person after person came up to me and shared, the team leaders or counselors, those that are in the trenches with the kids all the way through, said, I just had another amazing spiritual conversation with one of these kids. And they shared some sin that they've been involved with. They shared something that I think their life is going to change from this day forward. And I know that there was one of the uh, team leaders told me, he said, I can't remember a time where I've seen God work so much in a week than, than this last week. And I, I attribute that to uh, yourselves and many others praying for God to work in that time throughout this week. And it's powerful times. And just really thankful for, for that to be able to happen. Um, I did get the fishing pole out and I caught a few fish during the down times. And those, that was my reflection and prayer time during those moments but it was just great to see god after all these years continues to work at yellowstone bible camp and all the effort that the church here has put into that is really paying lots of dividends and lots of fruit during this last week we spent time uh, teaching through the sermon on the mount and a few weeks ago i i taught on uh, giving and being generous and where where our <laughs> jesus says where our finances are, that says everything about where our heart is at. And I don't like that very much because I have to wrestle with it. And we talked about how difficult that is for us as Americans to be in this land of abundance, to be really materialistic at times. And when it's hard to even ask each other, do you think I'm too materialistic? Because the analogy I use, that's like two alcoholics asking each other, hey, bro, do you think I drink too much? No, no, you're good. It's all good, you know, because we're so surrounded by it. And so we've just got to go deep within our own hearts and say, honestly and sincerely, genuinely, what is really genuinely important to me? I can look at my finances. I can tell a whole lot about that. 
It's uncomfortable for us. But Scripture tells us that because God is saying, the God of mammon never stops taking. As soon as you have something, then you want something else, and it just goes from there. And the only way you find contentment is truly being content in me. Tough message for me, for you, for all of us, but it's important if we're going to live a godly life. So what I'm going to talk about this morning is something else I talked about or, or taught about at teen camp is a true righteousness in, we'll call them religious acts. Now, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God has asked us to participate in various religious acts, if we can call them that. There's different ways that we can describe it, religious activities or religious ritual, whatever. In the Old Testament, they had the temple or the tabernacle, depending on which time frame you're looking at, and people called priests would serve in that temple and they would offer incense, they would offer different sacrifices, and those were religious acts in order to bring people closer to God. Now, we have religious acts and activities for us as well. We're called to pray. We're called to take the Lord's Supper together to remember Jesus. We're called to submit to Him in baptism. And all those are things that God has called us to do that are religious acts. Now, the difficulty is is that we have a tendency to take those religious activities and twist them into something that is completely meaningless. And that is what Jesus is going to talk about today in uh, chapter 6. I'm going to go uh, rewind just a little bit to Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. In the first part of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now think about that. Unless you are more righteous than your religious leaders, you're certainly not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I imagine the people at that point in time thought, Oh! How on earth can I be more righteous or more religious or or whatever than these spiritual leaders? Because they're the ones that are teaching us. And Jesus says, I'm going to show you how. And he spends the rest of the Sermon on the Mount talking about that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, he says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Oh, wait a minute here. And so how I practice righteousness or religious acts in front of others the the how and the why in my heart it makes all the difference in the world of what happens next and that's what jesus does he talks to us about this now before i do that before i start reading through matthew chapter six here i want us to go back and this is a slide that i used last year or earlier this year when we were talking about the sermon on the mount when we went through um, god's love story the whole bible in about nine months Righteousness means the quality or characteristic of upright behavior. So doing right. But there's a difference between looking like the right thing or look like I'm doing like a big difference in those two things. And so Jesus is going to explain, he's going to use a few examples, we'll talk about some more, what that looks like. So let's talk. look at uh, chapter 6, and I'll start reading in verse 2. He says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Now think about that. So apparently, in Jesus' time, and the people would have been familiar with this, is that people would go into uh, wherever they were going to give to the needy and with the intent to make sure that everybody knew exactly what they were doing. And so there is uh, what Jesus means by announcing it with trumpets. Now there's... 
Possibly there was religious leaders that made sure there were trumpets around whenever they gave, so it brought attention to what they were doing and what they were giving. Or the, the, um, the, the place of giving within the, the temple in some synagogues was called the trumpet because it had a big bowl on top. You put it in there, and you could hear the coins just click, 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 click all the way down. And so people would say, oh, man, that person is giving a lot. Just imagine it for us. If someone, if we pass the collection plates and someone, um, one of us has a whole bag of change and just drops it in one at a time and everybody here in the auditorium can hear every bit of it and the response is designed to make all the rest of us think, wow, look at how spiritual that person is. Look at how much they are giving. And Jesus says this, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. In other words, Other people looking at you and saying, wow, that person is generous, is all you're going to get. That is the reward and that is the extent of it. But Jesus says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I've shared that I have a relative several generations back that was known for when the collection plate came, she would put her left hand behind her back and she would give with her right hand. You know, I think she was uh, where she came from and where she ended up spiritually. She made great strides, from what I understand. But what she's doing is she's just trying to go the extra mile, saying, "Hey, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let any my left hand know what my right hand is doing." Taking this literally, the idea being is that what's important is that we give generously without any type of recognition from anybody else, because that's not what's important. Because what's important is God sees this. Remember we talked about here a few weeks ago about how uh, there's, uh, uh, when we invest not in things that are going to, to burn up or, or that are going to wear out in this life, but things that we invest for eternity. This is one of these things that we can invest for eternity because apparently when we give without anybody else knowing about it, did I do something, Kyle? Okay, I'm good. I'm good. That's pay. That, all right, we'll continue on. So if I give to the needy people because I just want to do that and nobody knows about it, then there's a great reward eternally that comes from doing that. I'm doing it because this is right, because this is what God wants me to do. Let's continue on. In chapter 6, Uh, Starting in verse 5, it says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be sinners. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. In other words, if you find that, uh, if we find that the religious leaders here, you imagine they would, uh, uh, there were different times where the Jews were supposed to stop and pray, stop whatever they were doing and spend some time in prayer. And so some apparently would make sure that that was on the street corner or wherever other people were going to see them so that they could be acknowledged by everybody about how spiritual they were. And Jesus says, no, I tell you that you, they have received their reward in full. In other words, other people looking at them and giving them kudos is all that's good for. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So prayer is not about being seen by others, but by speaking directly to God as our audience. 
Now, we see Jesus participating in public prayer. We see his disciples participating in public prayer. So what Jesus is not telling us is don't ever pray in any way where other people can hear you. We had public prayers already. We're going to have more uh, before our assembly is finished. And we see that. Jesus example. We see it from the apostles. We see it from the early church. But what's important to remember in all of that is when we're praying, our audience is God. The person who is praying is just simply praying in such a way to lead, lead us into the presence of God because that's who the audience is. Verse 7, it says, And when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows that what you need before you ask Him. There was a, a young man at camp that I really appreciated. Um, he was, I'd never met him before this week. And I asked him at one point in time, I said, Would you be willing to say the prayer for, for lunch uh, today? And he said, Well, I guess I can do it, but it's going to be short. I said, good for you, man. That sounds awesome. And he did say a prayer later that was heartfelt. And you could tell that it came from, from deep within him because he had a little bit of time to prepare. But Jesus' point is, boy, there's gonna be, you don't want to be like people that just repeat the same things over and over and over and over again or pray for a long time just so that they will be seen by others. So they think that somehow the longer I pray, the more spiritual it is. Jesus says, no, don't be like them as your Father knows before you even ask what you need. Okay, So don't think asking for the same thing over and over and over again within a couple of minutes is going to, to change things there. When God can hear you. He knows what's in your heart. Verse 9, And then we have an example that has since become known as the Lord's Prayer that gives us an example of what prayer should look like. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name, starting with who God is and honoring Him. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's important, is the things that we pray for is, does it line up with God's kingdom? I would encourage us to think about that, because what we pray for reveals what's really going on in our heart. Now, for example, if our prayers are continually just asking for physical healing without the spiritual aspect, I think we're missing something. It's different from saying, hey, would God please heal, heal me from my sickness. And it's different to pray, God, please heal my sickness if that be your will. But above all, help me learn and grow and be what you need me to be throughout this sickness. You see, that's praying for God's kingdom. That's praying for, for him to, to work in whatever my circumstances may be. Not just heal me, God, right now, but help me walk through whatever circumstances I may be in right now in order to honor you. That is praying for for God's kingdom to come. Give us today our daily bread. Just the basics, physical stuff that we need. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Help us to be a people of forgiveness. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The basic spiritual needs in life. Help, Help us not to fall into temptation. Verse 14, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And this is powerful because this speaks to the very nature of the kingdom of God. And Jesus brings this up in other places. Is that first and foremost, we're to be a people of forgiveness. And if we're unwilling to do that, then we do not belong to the kingdom of God. And that's clear. Jesus speaks that very clearly in different places. 
And that's important. It's hard to pray if we're unwilling to forgive to us. Um, that, uh, that, that speaks to where our heart is at. And so we, we learn, I think it was tough for Jesus, the people in Jesus' day, it's tough for us to make sure that we are a people that is uh, forgiving one another um, so that nothing hinders our prayers. Let's look at the next verses here. And Jesus says in verse 16, When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show their, others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Just imagine walking around um, moaning and groaning because of how tough fasting is. And fasting is, with, very simply, withholding food from yourself so that you can dedicate yourself to prayer. And uh, that is uh, that's something that is not done so much in our society. I remember uh, asking one of my spiritual mentors years and years ago, uh, what, is, why don't, what do we fast? Why don't we fast? What do, how do we fast? those sort of questions. And I remember the person telling me, oh, we don't do that anymore. And I, man, I see example after example in the New Testament of God's people fasting before big decisions, and there needs to be extra time of prayer given. It's something powerful that helps us realize our shortcomings and our weakness, because we can get hangry really fast, and we can miss out on, we just realize how weak we are. And those times when we dedicate them to God, our prayer becomes clearer. Um, I know that uh, I can and I can say this with confidence that every time that I have committed to God fasting, I have seen God work in some amazing way that I didn't anticipate without fail. That's been my experience with it. But don't go around compl- complaining and moaning about how hungry you are so people see how spiritual you are. No. Nope. He says, but when you fast, verse 17, put oil on your head and wash your face. So the idea here is putting oil on your head, wash your hair, get, make yourself ready so you look like you're going out, so you're, you're put together, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In other words, when we fast, it's not something for everybody else to see, but it's something... It's a way for us to go deep with God and connect with Him. I imagine that when Jesus was reading these, or when Jesus was speaking these things, there's people who were saying, "What? Wait a minute! Here, this all that I see from the religious leaders, all my examples, falls so short of what God wants me to be." And as I look at, I, I pondered these things this week at, at camp and, and now. And if that's too small for you to see, then, then you can look on the handouts. You'll be able to see it. But I started thinking about what does that look like for us? Um, and how, do we, how can we practice righteousness in a way that is dishonorable and honorable? And I thought about, in terms of giving, I'm, there's a lot of things that I want. I'm, you know, technology is one of those those things where there's great aspects of it and there's negative aspects of it. But something I've become very thankful for as far as giving goes is being able to give online because nobody else sees that. And that's what my family and I do. Um, that's just the choice we make because it's available here in the, in the church. But that's, uh, that's one way that we can um, give, make sure that we're giving in, in, in secret and not, not everyone else knowing it. And I think about in, in prayer... Um, for all of us to remember when we pray, and especially when we're praying in front of other people, to 
remember that we're not praying in, in such a way that people get done, that we get done and people say, oh, that was amazing. You're such a great prayer. <laughs> but ultimately, it brings people into the presence of God thinking about their own lives and where they're at with God and connecting with Him. When we choose to participate in a fast, it's not something that we announce to other people and say, wow, look how spiritual I am, but say, boy, God worked through this time in order to change my heart and maybe change the hearts of others because I set aside time to dedicate to fasting. And God worked in that in powerful ways. I think about there's all these other examples that Jesus didn't use. He just used giving, prayer, and fasting. But I think about how we can practice righteousness in other ways that can lead us, uh, that can, can reveal to ourselves that our heart needs work. Uh, for example, um, teaching and speaking. I know that for myself, something I think about a lot is um, how standing up in front of people and teaching can definitely go to one's head. Now, I know ministers that I, I believe that part of their downfall led to them being able to being extremely dynamic and eloquent and standing up front and people just saying, oh my goodness, you're such a wonderful minister. You say just such amazing things. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I know. Thanks. Yeah, I'm, I'm great. You know, and it comes and it, and it just takes a person's heart a, a terrible direction. Now, part of why I say, and, and I shared this, something I learned from the Italians when someone says, hey, that was a great lesson today, Chris. I say, God's word is powerful. And the reason I say that, I share, I've shared before that I got that from the Italians when I lived in Italy, where my wife is from. Because they have a phrase, and it's become a tradition in the churches there, that when a person says, hey, thanks for the lesson, you respond by saying, well, thank God. But that doesn't translate well into English because people think you're swearing, okay? And so I thought, well, I can't just say that. You know, if someone says, hey, great lesson, Chris, say, well, thank God. Because it just it, it sends a wrong message. And so what I try to do is keep, the, keep people's focus on God. Because ideally, when I'm done speaking here, you don't go home thinking, man, oh, Chris is a phenomenal speaker, which there's many that are much, much better than I am and more gifted, I'm, I believe. But you go home thinking, man, God's word touched my heart today. And here's some things that I need to change within my own heart. That's what this is about. Uh, I know that at, um, years ago, and I told this story at teen camp, I had someone who was a few years older than me when I was a teenager share, um, hey, at, at camp, uh, we give, people give these miniature lessons, we call them devotionals, three to five minutes, something like that, around the campfire. And I would really encourage all of you boys to learn how to do that because it's a great way to meet girls. I kid you not, someone told me that. And uh, I remember thinking, well, that's kind of weird. You know, it's probably not going to help me any. But anyway, I just remember thinking that was really strange because it seemed so contrary to what we were supposed to be doing there. And when the boys are set up to share those devotionals now, the boys at the campfire, the girls in their dorms, one of the instructions they're giving is, is when you get finished, what you want people talking about is God, not about you. And that's a way where we can miss um, uh, in our teaching and speaking where we can try to draw attention to ourselves. It's important to draw it straight to God. I think sometimes we can practice our righteousness in ways that uh, we just need to be aware in our own hearts. Like when we're in Bible classes or we make comments. 
Am I making that comment because I want to draw other people closer to God, or am I making this comment because I want to sound smart? Now, just, just an FYI here, when we try to make comments to sound smart, it doesn't work, okay? It tends to backfire because we try to, to speak beyond our, our abilities and, and beyond our, our learning and resources or whatever. And so it's important when we make comments just to think about how can this help draw people into the presence of God. This has been helpful for me, and this is something that I will share. I think sometimes in baptism we can choose to submit to God in baptism for reasons that are, are, are different than I just want to please God and I want to come into the kingdom of God. Um, I know that that's something we talk about, and we did talk about at teen camp this last week, because, man, it's great to be baptized at camp. You've got a bunch of your peers there, and there's this powerful spirit that is moving, and it's just awesome. It's wonderful. But something we tell the kids is, we're excited for you to be baptized here, but this is just, when you get back home, it's going to be tougher. Now, in some ways, this is just the beginning. Is This is the dedication to live for God, and when you get back home, things are going to be kind of mundane again, but that's when your spiritual life, the rubber meets the road, and that's when that's important. Now, there's times where I've had parents come to me with their child and say, hey, my child wants to be baptized. And I'll ask, well, why, why do you want to be baptized? I don't know. His mom told me I want to be baptized. I mean, no clue, no idea why they want to wrestle through this decision of being baptized. They just know that, hey, that sounds great. And so it's important to be cautious in saying, my role in committing my life to Christ in baptism is not so that everybody else can see, but because this is what God wants me to do. And I want to pursue God's kingdom. I believe we can... Uh, Practice righteousness in a way that is, uh, like Jesus talks about, in the way we serve. If we serve or, or we work in God's kingdom in a way where we want other people to, hey, look at all the good that I'm doing right here, look at this. And we're looking for people to come alongside us and say, wow, aren't you a great servant of God? Aren't you wonderful? And we're looking for that. Then maybe our heart needs to grow and mature. Because God calls us to serve because he's watching, not because any reinforcement that we're going to receive here. I think about uh, church attendance, for example. And this is one, for whatever reason, whenever I share this, it makes people nervous. We can share all the rest of these, but, but church attendance, because our tendency sometimes is to think the more a person is here, the more spiritual they are. Now, I can tell you for myself, if I was not working full-time in ministry... Being here on Sunday morning for, for assembly and Bible class and Wednesday evening and, and other activities would be a priority in my family's life because I know how important it is to connect with God and God's people on a regular basis. However, participating with the church in our worship or assembly times and Bible classes is not like this check mark that, okay, I got this done. Look at how holy and spiritual I am. And sometimes we even refer to people who, who are, are here every time the, the, every time the doors open as they are extremely faithful. Well, there's exceptions to that. Now, I've known people, and maybe all of us have, that have been very active in participating with the church but have not demonstrated a change in, spirit, in, in life at all and are really tough. You know, they don't demonstrate godliness in, in many ways at all. In fact, it just seems like you want to stir the pot. You know, there's, we all, you know, that happens. And so the point is, is that when we participate 
in God's church, we do so because God's working on our hearts and He's changing us. That's vitally important. In our singing, I ran across an article that was written by someone that is not part of the Churches of Christ whatsoever, but this was something that I really did think about. It got me, got me thinking quite a bit. And the article starts with, is that during the early church, singing, assembly time, was participatory in that everybody sang, everybody contributed and all that. And over time, the pendulum swung in the Middle Ages to assembly was only done by those that were professionals. And you have some amazing music that... uh, that is born out of that time uh, during the Middle Ages and, and that. But basically, if you were in Europe and you went into assembly, what would happen is you would go in and you would stand there and you would maybe recite or you would participate to some extent, but the professionals were up there participating. And then when the Reformation happened, people like Martin Luther and Zwingli and John Calvin said, wait a minute, we, I mean, they didn't say it in these words, but we need to give worship back to the people. And what happened is the professionals ceased to be the ones that were leading worship, and it went back to people singing to one another. And the article made a great point that in our society, what we're doing, because we're so entertainment-focused in some of what we do, is that pendulum is very quickly swinging back to the Middle Ages, called the Dark Ages, when people... There's professionals up front, and people are there. And sometimes they, they sing a lot, sometimes they don't. But the point was, do not lose participation of the church when you come together to sing. Because bad things happen when history, we know that, when the professionals just do all the work up front. Got me thinking a lot. I'm sure glad that, that we have chosen to approach God as we do just as people and just singing. And it's beautiful and it's amazing. Most of the time, now sometimes when we're not singing with heart, we know it because we can't fake it. You know, it's there. But it was something that, that sure got me thinking and um, appreciative of, uh, of our situation. In this post, there was a, a bunch of, of uh, responses. And there was a minister from the Russian Orthodox Church that started you know, chiming in. And he was talking about how within their group, there's a lot of, they figured out recently, someone did a study that that the churches that had the most participatory assemblies are the ones where people were most willing to serve, and those are the churches that had done best during this time. Something for us to think about and remember in uh, in how we approach God. And all this, something that ultimately comes back is, This verse, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. That's where Jesus starts this section, and that's where we'll finish. And let's make sure that we're doing the right things for the right reasons, because that's what gets us the eternal reward that God promises for us. Let's stand and sing together. If you would like to uh, become a Christian today, there's four baptisms up at camp last week, and there can be more today if you're ready to commit your life to God. Or you would like uh, prayers of the church, you're welcome to head to the back, and the elders and their wives will be glad to meet with you.
Tastes like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say It is well